Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, joined by my good friend Dalton Del Don. And today we're going to provide you with a preview of week 13. Oh, 13 of the NFL season. But first, Dalton, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you... Have any funny stories? The kids do anything remarkable, special? Not at all. Did you get to nap? I would have loved. How about a nap? Week 13 nap sounds delicious. Yeah, my Thanksgiving was anything but uh, relaxing. I don't want to bore listeners again. I talked about it with Harmon yesterday, but I'm in this crazy survivor pool with not a ton of people left. And I had the Bears that morning. So I was a big, big Bears fan at Thanksgiving. And then 80 of the 120 people left had the Cowboys in the afternoon game. So I was just kind of a wild man at my in-laws. They're like, what is going on? <laughs> Trying to explain to them what survivor means and, and, and all that. But uh, yeah, I was really rooting for the Raiders that day. So yeah, and that was actually an exciting day. But just the, it went to the in-laws and um, had you know, a traditional dinner. Not a lot of people didn't do any traveling. What about yourself? Um, it was quiet. We didn't travel either. Our families didn't travel in both my husband and my husband's families live out of state. They didn't come in. They're going to do that, I guess, this month now that we're in December for the holidays. But I did the annoying. I, I guess I was inspired by Chloe. Frankly, I ran a 5k, a turkey trot. Early awesome. In I the saw morning. pictures. I forgot about that. I saw pictures. That's yeah. cool, man. That's cool. That's cool, Liz. How'd that go? Like it was really, really fun. It ignited or reignited, I guess I should say. My love of doing that stuff on Black Friday, I signed up to do 2022 and I'm making the kids do it with me. Um, I think I'm going to run the 10K next year though, not just the 5K. Nice. I, I nice. really, it was really fun. I don't uh, like running on a treadmill and I don't have the discipline, flank, frankly, to like run around my neighborhood, but I do love that race atmosphere where everybody's running together. There's like some great vibes and energy. I put on my ear pods. I listen to Kesha. I'm kind of like alone in my own bubble, but we're all doing the same thing. I really, I don't know. I I really like that. Um, Otherwise, last kid note, I will say Paxton had his like baseball party, like his team had an end of the year fall ball kind of get together at the coach's house who has a giant backyard and they put together a home run derby and Pax won it. So oh, nice. I was really proud of him for that. Yard yeah. work. Nice, Pax. That's awesome. Yeah. My four-year-old Mason just started basketball and it's hilariously cute. <gasps> right. It's just unbelievably cute. The small little little hoops they have up and it's pretty funny. All right. Well, <laughs> we're going to keep it rolling in 2022 with these sports parent takes. Uh, thank you, listeners, by the way, for bearing with us and for those of you who have commented pleasantly about it. Let's get to the games now, though. 
We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Atlanta. I think before we talk about Tom Brady and Gronk and the offense, which there's always a little bit of AB drama. We got some of that to touch on this week. Let's just appreciate Cordero Patterson for a moment. Two rushing touchdowns last week. I've gotten a couple of questions like, I don't know, the Bucs have a really stout rush defense. Like, are you nervous about Patterson? Nah, I'm not. And I'm not because he plays all of the positions. More on that in a second. But let's look back to week nine at New Orleans. Really good run defense, right? So even though he carried the ball nine times for 10 rushing yards, he caught all six of his balls to the air for over 125. So it doesn't matter. I mean, this is like the... We often talk in the NFL about how special teams coaches end up in coordinator positions because they're exposed to every position group. Well, Cordero Patterson was mostly a special teamer and has taken full advantage of every single position that he has been introduced to, including defense now. What an interesting career, Patterson. Just truly remarkable. I mean, he was a difference maker. The fact of him being active or not last night, the Atlanta offense had gone seven straight quarters without scoring with him off the field. He returns even playing through a high ankle sprain. It's not like he was close to 100%. And that was tested on a tackle early out of bounds where the guy completely grabbed the ankle. Um, He finished with the most rush yards over expectation per carry last week. Maybe expectations need to be tempered compared to last week against this opponent, Tampa Bay. But I'm with you. I have him ranked as a top 10 fantasy back still this week it may result in more catches more dump offs uh but either way he's so good with the ball in his hands and yeah what an exciting player and you can play him at wide receiver and yahoo and it's just he's he's awesome he's been as much as I always brag about elijah mitchell being the fantasy pickup of the year i forget that patterson was obviously a pickup and he's really the the, the pickup of mm-hmm. the year when he's been on the field he's looked fan- he's been awesome absolutely i hope though the DC was talking about how Patterson wants to be more involved in defensive schemes, right? Um, in, in on defensive plays. And we saw him take a snap at safety last week. And, you know, he keeps pushing the coaches, but I'm like, don't get him hurt. Like you saw what happened to your offense when he wasn't available. Like maybe wide receiver running back and like the one Hail Mary feel good about it play at safety last week should be enough to satiate his desire to also play on defense. Yeah, that's funny that he's saying that. Yeah, such a good kick returner too. But yeah, no, stay healthy. He's having a hard enough time staying healthy with all you know the yeah. catches and, and target and, and, and you know the carries. Is now their feet, their clear feature back too. So yes, don't no need to play defense. Just stay healthy, CPAT. I'm pretty sure that the Bucks are glad they had such depth at pass catcher for Tom Brady. We saw Gronk come back from the rib injury and. Uh, what he bring down 123 yards last week in that shootout, which you called by the way against the Colts this week. I think we're gonna we're gonna feel really good about Mike Evans again. We're gonna feel really good about Chris Godwin. We're gonna feel really good about Lenny Fournette. We're gonna feel really good about Gronk. We're not gonna feel so good about Antonio Brown because he's been suspended for three weeks for violating the NFL's COVID protocols, which is a real bummer for fantasy managers like moi who have been holding him for a stretch run coming out of the ankle injury, and now he's not going to be available until week 15. So, thanks. Yeah, super frustrating. Although, his ankle injury might have kept him out the next two weeks anyway. But yeah, obviously, this is very, very frustrating. Gronk's uh, tweet was going around this week with the the splits on-off with Gronk throughout Brady's career. And it's remarkable how much he's helped uh, the quarterback. He's healthy. He looked great last week, Gronk. And now Evans and Godwin are good bounce-back weeks here. Yep. Last week, the, the Bucks had all the touchdowns from their running backs. Four from Fournette and, and Ronald Jones had one. Now it's time for, a, with no Brown, I think Evans and, and Godwin have really nice 
nice games here and, and or DFS considerations. Although Brady has played far better at home. Um, he's he's my number one or number two fantasy QB this week. I expect, you know, indoors. The only concern is if can Atlanta put up points on the other end. But even then, Tampa Bay, they're passing like crazy. And even with the lead, unlike other teams in the, in the league. So I like all, all those guys from fantasy perspectives. And even if Fournette's going to regress some this week, obviously, um, he's still like a top five fantasy back, given the uh, the workload on one of the best offenses in the NFL. Agreed. We had Gronk on Eckler's Edge this week. And one of the questions that I asked him that did not make the cut for the final episode was whether or not Tom Brady, who obviously has no compunction about yelling at his teammates on the sidelines when he gets all fired up. Um, I asked Gronk, like, does is Tom Brady yell at you? Does he still yell at you now after all your time together? And he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, God. He yells at me all the time. I, I mean, there, he's, he's a, there's... There's one route. I still can't get it right. I get it right like 50% of the time. I've been working on it my whole career. He yells at me. But you know what's so interesting? It's never that Tom didn't throw a perfect ball. It's that I must have been in the right spot. So I just let him yell. And I was dying. I think it was your guy, Marty Bennett, who said that Brady was, he, he, I won't mention other names, but not all QBs are like this, but he, Brady treated every single person in the locker room the same. You know, it didn't matter yeah. if you were a star or not. And I'm always, you know, I kind of liked that. So yeah, I love that he's giving Gronk a hard time. But, you know, he's also treating the 40th man or whatever, you know, as important, too. So I don't know. Maybe Brady is a good dude. So, yeah, that's, that's I don't, that does not surprise me. Uh, the Cardinals are traveling to Chicago and fantasy managers, again, like me, are really happy to hopefully, fingers crossed, it's looking so uh, like having Kyler Murray back. Kyler was limited in practice on Thursday, dealing with that ankle injury, but is expected to play, as is DeAndre Hopkins, who's had a hamstring limited in practice on Thursday, but again, at least practicing and per Ian Rappaport also expected to play on Sunday. Um, they've both missed what now four games or four weeks, I should say, where are you ranking them individually wide receiver inside your top 20, I'm sure. And quarterback inside your top 10, but where exactly? Yeah, have Kyler ninth right now, but I mean, it's a similar tier, give or take a few spots and DeAndre Hopkins is 19th. Yeah, it's weird that it seemed like they were close to returning so long ago. So clearly these injuries were more serious than, than led to believe. But um, yeah, I, I could be talk either way with Hopkins right now. He's a tough one. Just don't know how healthy he is exactly. I like James Conner because of that uncertainty with the quarterback and the receivers. Huh. And Chase Edmonds is still out and he has not put up the massive numbers that you've thought. But um, is, are the Bears still dealing with defensive injuries along the lines there? What is the, uh, the status of Hicks? Um, I, I like Conner as a borderline top five fantasy back this week. That is interesting. I actually decided that I was going to favor Christian Kirk in this matchup because you mentioned the Bears' defensive issues. They've also, the secondary has been far from shut down, and I think Nuke back on the field will help Kirk in terms of defensive attention. Yeah, I know Kirk has been so solid. He's been great. He's a fine start when talking anyway. Yeah, I mean, he, there's a good chance he finishes more fantasy points than Hopkins this week. No, no question. He's been rock solid. Um, yeah, I like uh, I like I like Connor as a as a as a smash possible smash spot here, and I don't think he's going to be super popular in DFS. And then the flip side, Darnell Mooney, no matter who starts yeah, at quarterback, e even in a tougher matchup, no matter who starts at quarterback, he's cashing in those air yards. Finally, we all saw glimpses as a rookie. Now he's just totally breaking out, and I I think he's a top thirty wide receiver, fantasy receiver moving forward, regardless of of Robinson or who plays quarterback. And in the right matchup, he could be like a top fifteen fantasy wideout given the right the right week. Cardinals have a pretty good pass defense. I would be a little bit more concerned about Mooney, not because of, of volume. I think he's certainly going to draw a high number of looks, but Robinson 
is still dealing with that hamstring injury. I would be surprised if he suits up on Sunday. Cole Komet, who, <laughs> man, every time I try on Cole Komet, I miss. Like, on Thanksgiving, you saw him, you know, drawing a lot of looks. The week before, nada, Jimmy I Graham. guess, too. Yeah. And then Jimmy and, Graham still to TD, too, yeah. Right. And the week before that, though, it looked like they were, when Fields was, you know, that, that good Fields game before he got hurt the following week, it looked like he was building onto some momentum. In fact, that's what he said, right? That was the NFL sound clip. Like, let's build on it. I totally bought into that. But if Komet isn't available and Allen Robinson isn't available, then I'm a little bit worried that Mooney, given his size and experience and skill set, frankly, might be, uh, like, outmanned by a Cardinal squad that's pretty solid, especially if Andy Dalton is the one throwing the ball, as we expect. Yeah, they're not going to be able to run the ball, I bet, with much success, Chicago. And for what it's worth, Arizona has allowed the fewest fantasy points to uh, tight ends. But I hear you, it's not a great matchup. I have Mooney's more of a wide receiver three than, than yeah. say, like I said, the top 15 upside is in the right matchup. This is not that. And it could be, very easily could be, Justin Fields with minimal practice. You know, that's not quite ideal either. So be, this isn't be the, surprised if it's Fields. Like, I feel like it's Andy Dalton. Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree. I agree. Happen, but. The last report I saw, you're right. It does feel like it is Dalton taking the starter reps. And and, it, and he was he was pretty good in Thanksgiving. So I, I still would start Mooney this week, but it's more of a wide receiver three and, and excited for future matchups that, that'll be better. The next matchup is between the Chargers and the Bengals. And this is like an AFC contender pretender kind of matchup both teams in there trying to hang on to some playoff hopes um should be a high scoring game I think you know exactly who you're starting especially if it's week 13 and you have rostered any of these players like you you know you're starting Justin Herbert he's obviously a nice play in DFS I think he's probably going to be played all over the place in DFS because of the over under on this one you like Joe Burrow as well in this one and then when I'm looking at the other receivers, T. Higgins, for DFS purposes, remains only $15 despite finally ROIing. Matt and I talked about that on the wrap-up pod and finding the end zone last week. So <laughs> at $15, bucks, like that's a nice wide receiver three. Love T. Higgins and finally like to see it in the box score. Really, the last two months has been identical, all the underlying stats to Chase. Chase has scored more touchdowns, but Higgins, I mean, it's just, it's just as likely to be as productive as a fantasy receiver moving forward, uh, given their similar uh, usage. Joe Mixon, 12 touchdowns over the last eight games. I mean, wow, just getting it done and staying healthy and now facing the league's premier run funnel defense. The Chargers just beg opponents to run. It almost seems too good to be true coming off all those touchdowns too. And everyone's going to be using Mixon this week in DFS. So uh, I expect maybe another nice game from Higgins as a, as a counter to that with, with Burrow. And yeah, I expect that the Chargers are a nice little buy low here and maybe they, they, they pull off the upset here. But um, yeah, this should be a fun one for sure. I think this is a matchup of the marquee fantasy running backs. Austin is the number two running back in fantasy overall. Mixon, the number three overall. Austin, no surprise, has been more efficient with his touches, seen more looks through the air, whereas Mixon, I mean, he's touching the ball 30 times a game. He had 28 carries last week, 30 the week before. I agree with you. I'm a little bit spooked because the it does feel too good to be true. Is this the moment where he pulls up with a hammy or a soft tissue issue? I'm a little bit skeptical, but I don't know if we should be. It feels like if we... This is when it, this is where to me fantasy is all about tolerance. Obviously, in, in redraft, you're confidently starting him, but in, in DFS, you're like, well, maybe I'll take the dip, the slight dip in price on Austin and feel better about that one because everything sets up too nicely. But you just have to decide what you can tolerate because if Mixon goes off and you decided not to roll with him, yikes. But if he doesn't, then like, oh my gosh, you spent so much money on him. 
Yeah, and with the targets he's seen lately, um, he has an argument as the number two fantasy back moving forward. Although, you know, health does need to cooperate. That offensive line in Cincinnati's held up surprisingly well. Criticize him for not taking Swell instead of Chase. Um, but the offensive line has played better than expected. Um, but just realize, yeah, in DFS, not only is he, is he pricey, the salary, but also he should be very, very popular coming off that big game. Sure. And everyone knows about the Chargers as the best matchup for opposing backs. I mean, they're, they're just, um, they rank last by a mile in DVOA against the run. So uh, I believe they'll be very heavily rostered in, DF- in DFS. Are you required in your elimination league to take the Lions at any point? No, you're not required to take every team. Um, but uh, but I will say the 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 Vikings are available. One of the, uh, So the, the other bigger big, bigger teams is not available to me. I don't have the Bucks or the Chiefs. Uh, so it's teams like the Eagles and uh, the Cardinals and, yeah, absolutely the Vikings with the seven-point spread. So you're, you're, you're telling me to be skeptical, I, I feel, yeah? I just I have a, I have a feeling that this could be like the upset game of the weekend. I think this might be it is really hard to lose 17 games, by the way. Like that's difficult to do. And I guess technically because of the tie, they won't have lost 17 games. But I think this is a spot where they can get a win. Jared Goff did throw two touchdowns against the Bears defense on Thanksgiving. He was coming off of an oblique injury, so that's all the more impressive. He's had 10 days to rest now. He hasn't, like, there's a lot of stats that support how bad he's been. You can watch him and know that he hasn't been particularly good, but he does have a top 11 true completion percentage, which factors out drops and breakups. So that still is at 73%. And we know that the Vikings defense has been through so much, so many issues and injuries. And now Patrick Peterson is on the COVID list. I'm not saying that Patrick Peterson is the CB that he used to be, but he is still the team's number one cornerback. I totally agree with you. I am not using the Vikings in that in my survivor pool. I am worried about them. They they nearly lost the during these teams faced earlier this year at home. It came down to a Joseph uh, last second field goal. Uh, maybe you know Dalvin Cook does matter here. Um, and I mean the Vikings are the only team in the NFL to lead every game by seven points this season. I mean they're wild. They can beat anyone, but they can lose to anyone too. And and the Lions have that nice ten days off after Thanksgiving. Not only did Goff play, but he threw that one touchdown. 45 yards in the air to Reynolds. So I feel like his oblique should be certainly healthy now. Um, obviously, loss of DeAndre Swift doesn't help. But I do think this game's going to be close. I would take the points. And this is uh, these aren't really super helpful in fantasy terms, but I will go on, on record as saying, yes, uh, with Harmon, I said one of the three receivers on Detroit will have a nice game. I'll say one of these backup running backs, the new ones, uh, whom I cannot pronounce either of their names, Ken A on the, uh, Minnesota or Godwin on Detroit, I predict one of them breaks off a long touchdown run in her popular uh, uh, free agent ads next week. I like that. Jamal Williams, though, who they will be backing up because DeAndre Swift is out with a shoulder injury, is in a smash spot, only $16 in DFS. We love him in this matchup. Moved him all the way up to number 13, my running backs this week. Agreed. Yeah. Gorgeous. The Giants are traveling to the Dolphins, and the luck for the Giants continues to be bad. My goodness. They're still wildly banged up. Kadarius Toney, did not practice on Thursday. I would be surprised if he starts on Sunday. He's still dealing with a quad issue. Sterling Shepard also dealing with a quad injury, limited in practice on Thursday. I think it's more likely, probably 50-50, that he'll suit up on Sunday. Daniel Jones, neck injury. Those are never great, by the way. Entirely likely that Mike Glennon will start for the Giants on Sunday. And all of that said, the Miami defense is only $14 in Yahoo DFS. 
Yeah, I didn't even realize they're that. That's a bargain. They've been playing so well, four wins in a row. You look at their season-long stats, and you're, they look like a favorable opponent, but not since they've gotten healthy. The Miami D's playing a lot better lately. And yeah, if it's either a banged-up Daniel Jones or Glennon, that's a, a real nice matchup against a shaky offensive line, too. And guys like Barkley and all those receivers, they may play, but they are not 100% healthy. So um, yeah, you like the setup here for Miami. Therefore, Gaskin should get a ton of volume. I know sure. Lindsey finished with, I think, a dozen carries last week, but it was mostly when that game got out of hand. Gaskin's getting treated like the workhorse there. And of course, Waddle. I believe Lindsey is hurt now. I believe and Lindsay Lindsay hurt himself in question. practice. Yep. And then Waddle's about as safe, you know, other outside of Deontay Johnson is about as safe bet for 10 targets in football right now, which is pretty crazy as a rookie. Yeah, Miami going for its fifth consecutive win. You called it when their defense started to get healthier. So I'm with you on that one. How about the Eagles at the Jets? Philly is one of these teams you have available in your Eliminator League. They are going to be without Jordan Howard. Boston Scott missing practice because he's now on the COVID list. He was the big popular waiver wire ad at the top of the week. But Miles Sanders, here's a little silver lining, who was dealing with the ankle injury, did practice in full on Thursday, and he's expected to play on Sunday. That's also really good news since Jalen Hurts, who's dealing with an ankle injury, practiced on a limited basis on Thursday. He is expected to play, but obviously if you have an ankle injury and you're a running quarterback, your mobility might be compromised. Yeah, this might be my most important game of the weekend. The Jets have allowed by far the most fantasy points to opposing backs, nearly five points more than the second worst. So this obviously matters. The health of guys like Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard looks unlikely to play. Boston Scott at one point looked like a sneaky play with Sanders leaving last week, but it's Sanders practicing while Scott's out with an illness. Um, And obviously Jalen Hurts is in a smash spot if healthy, but it sounds like it, if he does, it sounds like he's going to try to play, but he may not be as effective as a runner in this matchup. So uh, Devonta Smith also missed some time with an illness this week but he was back at practice and uh give him some more volume would certainly be helpful but he sets up in a real nice favorable spot here too uh they just played last week in the same exact stadium against the giants coming off just you know just an ugly 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 loss which i kind of like in survivor you know rager coming off those drops that everyone's been on repeat on the highlights so hopefully the eagles come back with their a game whereas the jets you know they just pulled off a nice uh, upset win themselves. Um, one thing that kind of scares me is Keelan Cole going to miss this game. Corey Davis remains banged up. So if you force feed Elijah Moore, uh, I don't like that betting on the opponent because uh, Elijah Moore, that kid can play. He can play, but also, you know, who's probably going to be opposite him outside in three wide receiver sets. Uh, that's slay, big play slay. No, Denzel Mims, my friend. Oh, your other side. Sorry. I know you yeah. like your sleeper. Yeah, you're right. If he's I don't know. Yeah. I feel real uh, gross about this one. I mean, If Corey Davis, as you mentioned, doesn't play, still dealing with the groin injury, right? And Keelan Cole is on the COVID list. um, And you've you've got Elijah Moore, who we all love. Then, all right, Denzel Mims, who has missed the last three games because he was on the COVID list, is now activated in week five before he hit the COVID list. He had his most productive outing. He had run a season-high 32 routes. Only five looks, but come on, that's still a season high for Denzel Mims. And that wasn't a Zach Wilson game. That was a Josh Johnson game. So who knows? But when I look at, you know, Steven Nelson is allowing a passer rating of over 120. That's cornerback 159 on the season. If you're desperate, and I am in a lot, you and I are in some deep leagues together, like some 14-team mandatory start three receiver leagues. And you don't have Antonio Brown (laughs) and you're kind of banged. I feel like this is a place where you start him and you hope that the measurables that he wowed everyone with at the combine in 2020 show up on the field for this particular outing. 
Denzel Mims is funny. Last last year, about this time, I loved him in Dynasty. It looked Corey Davis hadn't signed there. No, I hadn't heard of Elijah Moore, and uh, it looked like Trevor Lawrence was a sure thing to be quarterbacking there. And now it's we're talking like this, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm cool. I'll sign off with a really deep sleeper, uh, Denzel Mims in this situation. They're not going to be able to run the ball theoretically against the Eagles and their near touchdown underdogs. And uh, Zach Wilson, at least you know he's thrown uh, his A dot's been pretty bad. He's been shaky, but he has been better at home, and um, he, he's shown a willingness to make some plays. He's been um, you know, overall inconsistent, but uh, he has he has still made some plays downfield. So this will be a game that, that I'll actually care the most about this weekend, uh, po- quite possibly. <laughs> All right. Well, I will I will be texting you and checking in. Let's talk about two teams who had tough losses. I know every loss is tough, but you know what I'm saying. Two teams who suffered tough losses last week will play each other this week, Indianapolis at Houston. Um, You know, it's interesting on Monday's pod, Andy and Scott mentioned that T.Y. Hilton was their favorite sleeper pick for this week after finding the end zone in week 12. Yeah, super good historical numbers against Houston as well. Uh, Love Taylor to smash spot. Uh, Not really going out on the limb there, but I mean, I would pay up for in DFS this week. Uh, He was trying to become the first player ever to record 100 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown in nine straight games last week. Fell just three yards short yards from scrimmage against a really tough Bucks defense. So um, yeah, I think Taylor's going to go crazy against this Houston defense. It's actually secretly quietly kind of good against the pass. Sixth in pass defense DVOA. So um, yeah, I, li- I like Taylor to have a monster game. And sure, Hilton's a nice sleeper too. And look for, I mean, if Pittman, the problem with Pittman might be volume is big favorites, uh, Indy, but I'd expect him to bounce back on the field because that was a rough game last week. He had two, three drops and 10 targets resulting in not a lot of production. But Pittman will be fine. Big game from Taylor. And uh, yeah, I-, I-, I could see the Hilton call. Historically, he's just dominated the Texans. Last week, we talked about Rex Burkhead, and I got you to move him up in your rankings. He did finish as the RB30 in half-point PPR, so you could have flexed him. That got you something. I know I did. Uh, Now David Johnson did not practice on Thursday. He's dealing with a thigh issue. So Rex Burkhead, once again, we know that the Colts run defense, not particularly good. Last week, as I said, he was the RB30. So this week, I'm going to rank him again in that RB35 range. It doesn't matter if it's on the ground or through the air. We know that he was a good pass catcher, not just because of the three balls he caught last week, but because of the time he spent in New England. Again, I I don't know if if people added him last week and hoped. Like, this is another spot where you can use him. The Texans have two running backs who've scored two touchdowns in a game this year, and, and neither of them are even on their roster. I think it's Lindsey and Ingram did that. So, yeah, Burkhead, last man standing uh, if you're a deep enough league there. But I want to actually talk about your other sleeper because uh, I, I thought that I, I didn't think anyone else would be on him. But Brevin Jordan has totally emerged yeah. as Houston's uh, number one tight end. And you look at the uh, – you adjust for opponents, and the Colts have been one of the most favorable opponents against tight ends. So I saw that you included him in your, in your column. So uh, I'm with you on Brevin Jordan as a sleeper. Sleepy, sleepy sleeper this week. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I know a lot of those guys you are. Just as a side note, and I don't know if you feel this as well when you write the DFS column, but people are like, well, you're chasing touchdowns. And it's like, well, yes, because it's week 13. Like the, the needs change as the season progresses. And in week 13, when people are looking to a sleepers column, they're looking for desperation or out of desperation. And so I am chasing touchdowns and I'm trying to find guys that have better odds of finding uh, finding red zone work than others. So I, I think Jordan has emerged. I think he's like 
certainly climbed up the depth chart every single week, and he has managed two touchdowns over his last four games. We know how much Tarad likes to target the position as well. So thank you for calling that one out. I appreciate it. So I have another gonna, deep sleeper. Go ahead. Uh, hold on. I just want to continue. He's an interesting athlete. Brandon Cooks is questionable. They can't run the ball against the number three run defense DVOA Colts. They're going to have to be passing playing from behind. I really like Brevin Jordan. Seriously, I think he could be a he's top, finished top 10 tight end this week. Oh, my gosh. Dalton, you're my favorite person. I have another deep sleeper in this next matchup we're about to talk about. Uh, actually, I have two. The Washington football team at the Las Vegas Raiders. I think this could be a fantasy goal mine. This is the matchup that I, from a fantasy perspective, pure fa- purely fantasy perspective, most excited about. Where should we start? Should we start on the Raiders side of things? Because Darren Waller is expected to sit. He's doubtful for this Sunday, uh, which would mean it would be Foster Moreau time. Moreau, by the way, when he subbed in for Waller back in week seven, a uh, snap share of 90%, ran 22 routes and converted all six of his looks for 60 yards and a touchdown. That's an obvious get, right? Oh, yeah, that made him the tight end four that week in PPR leagues. That was my uh, our prediction piece this week. I went with Moreau being a top five fantasy tight end. I know he's going to be super popular in DFS at his salary, but it just makes so much sense given the matchup. And uh, last week he played 95% of the snaps after Waller left early in the second quarter. I've heard buzz about him for a while. People have liked him as a prospect. I mean, he's a good player and he's in a spot that should see a lot of targets. So uh, even Jacobs banged up in Washington it's been allowing passing yards. So yeah, give me all the fo- the island of Foster Moreau this week for sure. <laughs> and then on the Washington football side of things, I mean, first of all, football team, let's give them some snaps going for four consecutive wins here. Oh man, how high can you rank Antonio Gibson this week? If, I hope J.D. McKissick recovers from the concussion, but if he's out, uh, he was seeing targets last week anyway. And, uh, you know, the previous goal line work in this matchup, really like Gibson as a borderline top five fantasy back this week in this matchup. I also, weirdly, this is my hottest take, and this was my bold prediction in our group piece. I like DeAndre Carter. I think he's been sneaky good. I think people are like, who is this 28-year-old who was brought in as a depth receiver? Like, this is this must just be dumb luck because he's caught three touchdowns and averaged 2.34 fantasy points per target, which is the wide receiver seven, over his last four games. And in that time, also four red zone looks. So we know where he's being targeted I think, you know, we've got Curtis Samuel still dealing with a groin injury on a snap count. Didn't see a lot of action, just one ball uh, last week. Logan Thomas still not 100% healthy. Obviously, Heineke and Carter have a rapport and trust together. And and Carter spends a good amount of time in the slot. So if McKissick is not available, then I think that Carter could see a number of looks in the short to intermediate game with McKissick missing time. It seems like it might be related to Chris Carter because all he does is catch touchdowns. I think he has three of the last four. Um, he's another nice, interesting flyer. This game is uh, one of the three highest over-unders of the week. Indoors in Vegas. I like it. Uh, sneaky DFS uh, matchup here. Well, we go from a matchup like that to Jaguars at Rams, which does not feel like there'll be nearly as much back and forth. No, I see the Rams losers of three straight. This is a get right game for them, regardless of the health of Daryl Henderson. If not Henderson, then Sony Michelle plug and play for sure. Um, I know Stafford's a little banged up, but um, this, yeah, this is a tough one for Jacksonville. Uh, the the Rams, this is a get right spot. They're 13 and a half point favorites. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if they cover this. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of work, uh, you know, still to go in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. But the, the key here is to pay attention to Henderson's quad. 
Um, if he does play, probably won't be a full allotment of snaps. But if he's active, you're playing him in this matchup. Even though Jacksonville defends a run pretty well, I mean, is the, the the game script here just sets up so nicely for the Rams to be playing the second half, leading comfortably. So I could even be talked into Sony Michelle as a desperate flex, even if Henderson is active Oof. in this matchup. Two other injury concerns to point out. OBJ is expected to play. He's dealing with a hip pointer uh, issue. But despite missing practice, we're expecting him to find the field on Sunday. I think that makes Van Jefferson, by the way, a really good play in DFS. I love him. But last week, they were the only three receivers to get a target. And Tyler Higby's been phased out. So, and Henderson's right. banged up. So it's like, man, I mean, even if it's through three of them, if it's just the three of them, uh, even with the banged up Stafford, you got to like it. And that's a very vulnerable Jacksonville secondary. So I ranked Cup, Beckham, and Jefferson all inside my top 30. Well, obviously Cup, but I ranked both the other two as, as like my 29th and 30th fantasy, both wide receiver threes comfortably this week. James Robinson missed practice on Thursday. He's still dealing with the heel issue. Carlos Hyde obviously would be the backup. The Rams been pretty good, at least recently, versus the run, though. Yeah, and they benched Robinson for stretches last week after he lost a fumble, even though you know he's arguably one of the team's best offensive players. But yeah, I wouldn't be super excited to start Hyde, but obviously if you're in a deep enough league, you'll need to if, if Robinson's uh, inactive. The division matchup between the Ravens and the Steelers just doesn't have the same juice in week 13 of 2021 as it used to, does it? No, I don't know. I could see this game being a little bit more high scoring than we're used to because because both defenses are, are not playing up to par and, and Watt may miss this game as well. So, But that requires both struggling offenses to play better too because, yeah, no, I mean, it's the Baltimore offense has not looked right ever since that Miami game. Um, certainly Lamar Jackson is probably going to, I mean, I, he's due for a very, very big game after the four picks last week. And then Roethlisberger, um, you know, is he totally washed or can he still, you know, get the, the garbage time stats? I mean, you, you love Deontay Johnson getting double-digit targets every game. Hopefully Chase Claypool's healthy, but um, but you're right. This is not exactly the uh, the matchup that we're accustomed to with these two, <laughs> these two teams. I know Big Ben, I hope, is more efficient with Claypool, you know, getting better. Like the turf toe is still an issue, but he practiced fully on Thursday. And Pat Fryermuth is expected to clear the concussion protocol and be good to go for Sunday. So... At least he'll get two solid players back. What a story, by the way. Pat Fryermuth, rookie tight Like, that is the rookie tight end we all should have been on. Yeah, I know. I said it in the column. He has more targets inside the five over his last five games than any tight end in football this season. Total. I mean, yeah, he's just getting fed. In, in, yeah, and only two receivers have more than him, too. So, yeah, he's just he's the, the predominant, apparently the red zone threat in the NFL right now, Fryermuth. Your 49ers have been on one heck of a run. Meanwhile, their Week 13 opponent, the Seattle Seahawks, cannot establish the run. So what is the deal here? Yeah, Seattle's desperate, you know, season on the line, short week. Uh, but the Niners will be missing um, Fred Warner and Debo Samuel. So this should be you know, an intense uh, divisional matchup. Niners lost actually at home. It's their worst loss on their resume this season uh, to Seattle. But they're playing far better lately. I moved Elijah Mitchell all the way up to my running back number three uh, this week. Like, Seattle's been giving up a ton of points and just allowing a ton of plays to their opponent and no Debo Samuel. Uh, Trent Williams is putting up historically good season according to PFF's grades. Um, and, and, and Kittle's a good blocker too. So uh, I do expect Seattle to bounce back, but they cannot be this bad no matter how bad Russell Wilson's finger is. Uh, we saw him in the hurry up at the end of last, you know, on Monday night and their offense was moving. So I do expect them to to play better, but boy, it's been it's been weird how broken that Seattle offense has looked lately. 
I think it's because they can't establish a run and because Alex Collins ain't it and DJ Dallas ain't it. Although I wrote him up in my sleepers piece because Alex Collins is so not it that maybe DJ Dallas can do something despite the fact that he wasn't used as a receiver in college. Like he did catch five balls last week. And if there was a place where you could take advantage of the 49ers defense, it would be through the air as a running back. So uh, I don't know. I think it's just a mess. And I think until, I have this, like I said this on you pod to win the game. I went on with Charles this week, their midweek show. And I feel like forever Brian Schottenheimer got heck for saying, you know, for not letting Russ cook, but maybe Russ can't cook if there isn't a fully established, balanced run game. And Nobody wants to have that conversation. I'm certainly sure that he doesn't want anyone to have that conversation as he decides where he wants to move to next year. They could really use an upgrade at the running back position. No question. Rashad Penny looked uh, shot out of a cannon. First carry of the game, 17-yard gain a couple uh, weeks ago. But he hurt his hamstring on that carry. I mean, he cannot stay healthy. And these other guys, yeah, Collins and Dallas, you you said just that ain't it. There ain't it. So it's definitely been a problem. There's been other teams throughout the league we've seen this year to where, you know, just play cover two back. If the team cannot beat you running, it actually matters. Since 2018, without Chris Carson on the field as the RB1, Russell Wilson has in the majority of games in which he's been absent passed for under 200 yards. And you remember too, uh, one was it like 2019 when Chris Carson hurt his hip in week 16, I think it was a game against Arizona division game. And then they brought in Marshawn Lynch back from retirement in week 17. And finally the offense looked good again. I think there is a real link here, but that would require talking about how maybe Russ needs something extra. And then a whole conversation about like running backs mattering ends up happening and nobody wants to do that but regardless um let we know for sure that the 49ers can establish the run they've been doing it in quite well maybe that's part of the reason jimmy g is having such success i'm just saying um they will get jamichael hasty speaking of running backs back um do you think that matters at all like when you have debo out and we see how he's being used as a rusher and out of the backfield, like, I think most people are like, oh, the receiver's gone, so let's give Brandon Ayuk a boost. Sure, that's fine. The matchup works out well. But also, does this mean that Jeff Wilson could see some more touches on the ground, some more carries, because Debo had been used in that capacity? I hope it doesn't mean fewer targets for Mitchell, who saw a career-high six last week, because they have been reluctant to get him the ball. They even set up some design screens, and Hasty's been more of the passing down back. So I hope that is my concern there. And yeah, Jeff Wilson hasn't looked super explosive six months returning from meniscus surgery. So Shanahan seemingly just loves Elijah Mitchell. He's averaging the third most rushing yards per game among all backs. So I just think it's his backfield until the next injury, because the guy certainly is suffering different ones here and there, too. Um, but I think it's Mitchell's backfield until he goes down, and um, my sleeper more so than hasty this week. I will throw out Juwan Jennings. He's going to be the team's uh, new slot receiver with Debo down this week. And the Seahawks have allowed the second most fantasy points to the slot this season. Ooh, that is a fire stat. I like that one. I'm going to have to make sure to clip that one out and send it to myself. Thank you, Dalton. Let's finish up with the Sunday night game. The Broncos are at the Chiefs. Melvin Gordon is 50-50 to play, according to Vic Fangio. He hurt his hip, obviously, remember last week, and then returned. But looks like it's a little bit more of an issue than we initially anticipated. This could mean the Javante Williams-Cam Akers experience is about to happen, though, right? Especially against the Chiefs. 
Oh, yeah. If Gordon is inactive, it's too bad this is a Sunday night game, so you ain't know for sure. But yeah, Javante Williams would be coming you know, a top 15 fantasy start, but you're probably using him either way. But yeah, that's the key in this game fantasy-wise is Melvin Gordon's status. Is it a 50-50 split or is Javante Williams getting un- unleashed finally? Cortland Sutton has to be on fantasy benches. Am I, uh, he's just been totally totally irrelevant ever since Judy has returned and Kansas City this could be weirdly a defensive matchup because Denver has that cover two that should theoretically work far better than the last couple opponents against KC um KC's offense that struggle against them throughout this season and then Kansas City's defense has been so good that's why they've been winning before their bye and Andy Reid of course 19 and 3 coming out of a bye in his career so this game could be interestingly lower scoring than, than maybe some expect Oh, well, we will keep an eye on that. And I think that's it. We have run out of games to preview. But if you want to keep chatting with us, you can do so on Twitter. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. And while you're at it, make sure you're following the mothership at Yahoo Fantasy. Stick around here, too, because Matt Harmon will be joined by TJ Hernandez for a DFS preview of this week's games on Saturday's episode of the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Until then, happy week 13. Good luck, and we're out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.